Welcome to this week's podcast from Oceans Church in Orange County. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. For more information, please visit our website at theoceanschurch.com. Good evening, Oceans! Wow. Hey, everybody stay standing. Um, first of all, I am not a guest here in this church. You can call me Uncle John. Hey. Amen. And uh, Lisa, I, I just can't tell you how fun this is to be in a tent. Uh, it's just, we've done this overseas. I did it once last year at another church, and it, I just think it's the coolest thing. And look at all you guys out here on a Friday night. I actually saw the traffic that you guys battled to get here, and I'm just so proud of you. And the, but what I love the most is the hunger in here is absolutely amazing. I mean, how many people in the back love Jesus? How many people over here love Jesus? How many people over here love Jesus? Talk about a great crowd. And I just want to say it's a real honor to be here. I look at Pastor Mark, Pastor Rochelle, and um, I just am so proud of you both. And to be very honest with you, the one that really touched me when I came to Boise was your, you touched me. I thought, what a hungry young man. And I would think to myself every time after leaving, God, you're going to, you're already doing so much, but you're going to do so much through this man, especially when I saw how smart you were to marry Rochelle. I thought, man. And uh, to be honest with you, I, I really enjoy playing golf, but today was actually, it was, it was a conversation, a four-hour conversation that got interrupted once in a while by a swing. And, and, and for those who know me, I really enjoy golf, and I really played well the front nine. I thought, I don't even care the back nine. I'm enjoying this conversation so much just because of how rich the hunger and the desire and the passion is in you for people for, to glorify Jesus It's just so, so beautiful. Amen. So you have got a great, great pastor. And I'm so excited about seeing what God's going to do here. It is such an honor tonight to be here with my absolutely best friend on the planet. Um, I, I really believe God loves me. All I have to do is look at the girl in the bed next to me every night. And I think, God, you're so good to me. And uh, I have, I told the guys yesterday, I have a marriage goal. My number one marriage goal is that I'm more, that Lisa is more in love with me the day she leaves this earth than when we got married. My number two marriage goal is that I am more in love with her the day I leave this earth than the day we were married. And so far it's from glory to glory. And let me tell you something. Yes. Has there been wall? Has there been speed bumps? Has there been issues? Oh my gosh. Yes. If you don't think so, you're not married. Okay. So anyway, but the thing is. It's just so wonderful to be married to your very, very best friend, who is anointed, who, by the way, I'm I'm just so glad I get to preach first, because after you hear her, you're going to be like, John who? Anyway, and then to have our friends, Pastor Matt and Pastor Tammy Brown here from Sandals Church, I love you guys so much, and thank you for the way you have laid your life down to serve this county for years and years and years, the way you've opened your arms to Pastor Mark and Rochelle, thank you so much, and it's an honor to have you here tonight. I see my friends Jeremy and Christy back there. I get to be with them next month at their Fearless Conference, 
And to all you other pastors and friends that I may not have met, it's just wonderful to have you here tonight. I love Southern California. I love this county. And I feel like it's a real honor, but even more a responsibility to speak into the life of the church in this area. And I just want to say we do have two team members from Messenger International that live out here. And that is Sarah, Sarah and Abby. They're both here. So go back and meet them at the book table. Thank them for the way they serve because you see the face of John and Lisa. But let me tell you something. We have a magnificent team of about 50 team members. And then we have about 1,000 team members that are all over the globe that do the translations, that do the voices and everything else. So we've got a phenomenal team that are helping us to be able to disciple the nations of the world. Our passion at Messenger International is that every single leader in the world has discipleship resources. God has graced us to be able to give away over 48 million resources, physical resources, to pastors and leaders. It's now, it's now in 228 nations of the world in 116 languages. Just in Iran alone, we've done over 2 million, and so we're passionate. We believe Jesus' final words was to make disciples of all nations, and so we believe that's what we're called to do as a church. Can you say amen? So anyway... It's, it's a real, real privilege. Tonight, I want to share with you something that's really burning in my heart. Um, I want to believe that tonight your life has changed forever. How many of you believe that God can change your life in one service? Forever. Let me see. Let me see. How many believe that? All right, so put up the other hand. Because let me tell you something. I could be the best communicator on the planet. But if the Holy Spirit doesn't anoint these words, we're just getting information. And how many of you know we need a whole lot more than information? We need transformation. Okay? So we're going to ask him. Because I really believe not only is he going to say much in here tonight, I believe he's going to do much in here tonight. Amen? So Heavenly Father, we come before you and we're so grateful for the beginning of the first conference. And Lord, we're asking that tonight you would do what you love to do the most, and that is invade this sanctuary. Wherever... Anyone is watching online, invade those living rooms, those studies, those dens, Lord, those cars, wherever they're at. And we're asking that you would do what you love to do the most. And that is glorify Jesus in a way like we have never, ever known him before. As you do, may we go from glory to glory and from strength to strength. For I decree this night, your kingdom has come within us. Your will shall be done in this place on earth as it is in heaven. And for this, Lord God, we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor and the thanksgiving. And it is in Jesus' mighty, wonderful, majestic, holy, awesome, magnificent name we pray. And everybody that agrees, shouts! Come on, give him praise. Give him praise for what he's going to do tonight. Amen. Amen. You can be seated. Hey. Hey, you know what I'm going to do? I've got, I've got scriptures I'm going to show you. So would you guys be all right if I came down here? Yes. Would that be all right? So can we move the table down here? And I'm just going to leap and come on down here. Hey, by the way, you want to see, you want to see a picture of my family? Yeah. Other than Lisa, this is, these are my favorite people on the planet. I love them so much. Here's a picture of our family. We have four sons, three daughter-in-laws, and our fourth son is dating very seriously someone that we're hoping to say something soon really cool. <laughs> Anyway, I hope he's listening because I'm saying hurry it up. And, uh, and anyway, there's four of our G-babies there. You say, what in the world's a G-baby? I'm way too young to be grandpa, so it is G-daddy and G for short, okay? And, uh, and then we just we had our fifth G-baby last summer. She is now six months old. Let me show you a picture of her. Here comes Scarlett. Oh, no, Scarlett, where are you? 
Scarlet! Everybody cry out for Scarlet. I guess we're not seeing Scarlet tonight. Okay, so anyway, and then we have one in the cooker. And, whoa! There's Scarlet. Now you can see, she is very intense. She will probably lead a Fortune 500 company or she will preach the gospel all over the world like her G-mommy. But she's got those eyes that says, hey, I know what you're doing. Don't you be messing with me. And so anyway, I love this girl. Oh my gosh, do I love this girl. Anyway, so we got another one in the cooker and we find out next Saturday what sex it's going to be. I'm so excited about it. Amen. That's my family. The more I love my family, the more I realize how much God loves us. Because how many of you know we are God's big family? Amen. And I like this family in Orange County. Amen. All right, tonight I'm going to share with you out of the newest book I've written called X. Yes, I got a bunch of millennials working for us. Uh, that's the title of the book, X. <laughs> you ever seen a book titled that? Anyway, multiply your God-given potential. Anyway, um, I want to open up by saying this, that um, I have watched what has happened with COVID, and I have watched many people almost uh, regress, um, pull back, protect, and... I think it's the very opposite of what Jesus commanded us to do. Because before he left this earth, he commanded us to occupy until he comes back, not hide. Amen? And, and I want to read a scripture. I was in Hawaii before I start really sharing from this message. But I was in, in um, Hawaii, and God gave me a word just last week that I believe is a word for right now. And so let me go to it. But listen to what God says in Isaiah chapter 8, verse 11. This is the New Living Translation. I want you to listen carefully. The Lord has given me a strong warning. Not just a warning, a strong warning. Not to think like everybody else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do. And don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. Not COVID, not governments, okay? He will keep you safe. If there's ever been a word for the church, that's the word right now. Let me tell you something. You fear God, that swallows up all other fears. Can you say amen to that? To really open up what I want to share with you tonight, I feel there is two very important things that every single believer needs to be established in. Number one, our identity in Christ. How many of you know that we are now, not later, the sons and daughters of God? And as sons and daughters, we are created in His exact image and likeness. I mean, you have never seen a thoroughbred racehorse give birth to a mouse. Even so, God did not give birth to unworthy worms. We are princes and princesses of the Most High God. Can you say amen? The other thing that is equally important that we are established in, and I find this is not emphasized in the church, and this is why I want to share it with you, is what we're called to do in Christ. Jesus makes a statement in John 4, 34. He made this, I mean, this is startling words when you listen to him. He said, my food, my food is to do the will of him who sent me. And to finish his work. And then he makes another statement in John 20, 21. He said, as the Father has sent me, now I'm sending you. So what does that mean? That means our food is to do the will of him who sent us and to finish his work. 
Now, what does food, what does it do? It strengthens us. Try going without eating 10 days and then doing eight hours of hard manual labor. You're not going to do it very well. This, the number one cause of backsliding, and believe me, there are many backsliding people in churches in America, but the number one cause for backsliding that I have seen in 40 years of ministry is disengaging from what God has called you to do. Now, that may not be what shows up, but it's what causes the weakness that causes you to be vulnerable, that causes you to be tempted. Good preaching. Amen. Thank you so much. To open this, I want to share a couple stories. Uh, It was about seven years ago, one of our partners that has really helped us to be able to get books into nations all over the world, he and I just played a round of golf here in Southern California. It was actually Riviera. I'd always wanted to play it, and he took me there for the first time. And um, had a good round, had a lot of fun. We're driving back to the hotel. I was getting ready to speak at the L.A. Dream Center, and it was a Saturday. And I remember we're driving back to the hotel on the 405, and... He said to me, he said, John, can I be vulnerable with you for a few minutes? And I said, sure, absolutely. He said, well, as you know, I just turned 50. And he said, I have busted my rear end for the last three decades of my life to build my businesses to where they are. He said, my net worth's over $9 million. He said, you know, my wife's cared for life. My children are cared for life. My grandchildren are cared for life. And he said to me, he said, why should I work as hard? over these next 10 years, the decade of my 50s, as I have the last three decades. And I, I knew this was a moment. And I thought, you know, for me to just give an off-the-cuff answer, that would be the stupidest thing I could do. Because the words that come out of my mouth is going to literally shape this guy's life the next 10 years. And even longer. And so I looked inside and I said, Holy Spirit, I need help really quick. And he instantly gave me the idea. And I said to him, I said, well, Stan... I said, let me answer your question with a different scenario. I said, as you know, I've written, at that time it was 17 books, it's now 22, but I said, I've written 17 books, they're in 100, over 100 languages, they're, um, they're, in, they're in the millions, they're all over the world. I said, I've gotten on jets, and I have flown over 12 million miles preaching the gospel. I said, I've stood in some of the largest platforms in the world, I've stayed as many as 229 nights in one year in little 400 square foot hotel rooms away from my family. I said, I have eaten some of the craziest foods. I have suffered jet lag. I said, I have encountered really different cultures in over 60 nations. And I said, you know what? I said, my wife's cared for life. My children are cared for life. Why should I write another book? Why should I get on another plane? So now, now this is a true story. So he laughed at me. He laughed at me. And you know what he said? He said, I wouldn't want to be in your shoes when you face Jesus. I said, Stan, you just said the exact same words. And I remember the smile left his face. He turns his eyes away from the 405, and now he's angry at me. He said, what are you talking about? I said, Stan, God has placed a calling on every single believer's life. And I said, to accomplish that calling, he puts supernatural gifts on our life. But I said, we can do one of three things with those gifts. I said, we can use them only to build ourselves, our family. Or number two, we can use them as intended to build the kingdom. I said, or number three, we can just sit on them and do nothing. I said, now the problem here is that you've not connected your dots, but you have connected my dots. 
I said, you see how my gifts of leading, of speaking, of writing are building the kingdom of God. The problem is you have not connected the dots on how your gifts are building the kingdom. And I said, and to be honest with you, Stan, your gifts are more important than mine. They're more valuable than mine. He said, where do you get that? I said, the Bible says the parts of the body that are not seen are more valuable than the parts that are seen. I said, Stan, I got a seen gift. You got an unseen gift. Well, six months later, he called me and I said, Stan, how you doing, buddy? He goes, you want the honest truth? I said, sure. He said, I've been haunted every single day the last six months in a good way by the words you spoke to me. I said, what are you doing about it, Stan? He said, I'm busting my rear end to build my business up to 35 million so I can give more in the kingdom. So now I got, I got a text from him. I got a text from him a couple months ago and he said, and he signed the text. He said, $70 million Stan. So obviously he got it. Are you with me? Another story, I've got a friend who pastors a church of over 35,000 people, and he does a leadership conference every year. And there is an extremely well-known medical doctor that attends his church. And my friend was walking through his sanctuary the day before the conference started, and he sees the very well-known medical doctor putting pamphlets on the seats, all the seats in the sanctuary, for the delegates that were coming in the next day. He said, so, so my friend rushed over to the medical doctor and said, what are you doing, doc? Doc, you don't need to do this. He said, we got volunteers and interns that are doing this. And the doctor rebuked him. The doctor looked at him and said, pastor, I take one week a year off my medical practice so I can help build the kingdom of God. Please don't take this from me. Now, I've wept over this. I literally was doing a podcast, told this story, and started weeping. Why? Because for 51 weeks a year, that medical doctor sees himself in the secular, wow. earning a living. Right. And one week a year, he gets to be in the, king, in the sacred, building the kingdom. Wow. For many people, they see their 90 minutes Sunday morning as being in the sacred. Their 30 minutes of quiet time as being in the sacred. Their conference as being in the sacred. But the rest of the time, they're in the secular, earning a living and doing life. I got news for you. 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year, you are in the sacred. Amen? So let's look what Paul says about this. And, and, and let me say this. I'm going I'm to introduce three words to you tonight. Three words before I can really bring the message. Is that okay? Yeah. All right. I want to go to Romans 12, 6, and I want, I want you to notice what Paul says here. He says, having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them. Yeah. Yeah. Now, look at the word grace. Does everybody see that word? Yeah. The Greek word is charis. Now, a, a nationwide survey was done a few years ago, and over 5,000 born-again, Bible-believing Christians were polled in this survey. Okay? The question was asked in the survey, give three or more one-word definitions of the grace of God. The overwhelming responses, here's the top three responses. Salvation. I mean, think. Before I even give them to you, think. When you hear grace, what do you think? Number one was salvation. Number two, a free unmerited gift. Number three, forgiveness of sins. And the fourth most stated answer was the love of God. That is phenomenal. I am so glad Americans know we're saved by grace and only by grace, and you can't earn it. 
that the grace of God is an absolutely unmerited gift and that it forgives our sins and it is a manifestation of God's love. So glad Americans understand. Here's the tragedy of the survey. Only 2%, the actual statistic was 1.9%. Only 2% of those over 5,000 believers that were polled said that grace was God's empowerment. Yet that is exactly how God himself defines grace. God himself says to the Apostle Paul, these aren't Paul's words, these are God himself. These words are read if you have a red letter edition. He said, my grace is sufficient for you. Look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9. He says, my grace is all you need. For my power. For my power. For my power. What is my power? Grace. Works what? Works best in your weaknesses. What's your weakness? Your human inability. So God defines His grace as empowerment, yet only 2% of the American Christians understand this. Look at what Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 1. Peter says, grace be multiplied to you. Now look at this. As His divine power gives us everything we need to live a godly life. So Peter defines the grace of God as his divine power, yet only 2% of the American Christians understand this. What does Paul say? He said, I labored more abundantly than all the other apostles. It wasn't me. It was the grace of God in me. He depicts it as empowerment. So after years of studying every scripture in the New Testament on grace, I'm going to give you my definition of grace. Are you ready for this? It's God's empowerment. That God's free, unmerited empowerment that gives you the ability to go beyond your natural ability. Now, I know something about the call of God on every single one of your lives. And you know what it is? You want to know it? Does anybody here want to know? Would you like me to share? Yeah, okay, all right. You ready? Here's what I know about the call of God in your life. It is impossible for you to fulfill what God has called you to do on this earth in your own ability. How, 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 do, how do I know that? How do I know that? Because God said, I'll never share my glory with anybody. Yeah. So if God makes your calling capable of you accomplishing in your own ability, right. he'd have to share the glory with you. Yeah. So God on purpose made your calling beyond your natural ability yeah. so you'd have to depend on grace yeah. to fulfill it. Yeah. Now here's the, tra- here's the tragedy. You can't have anything, anything from heaven unless you believe. And you can't believe what you don't know. So if 2% of the American Christians know that grace is God's empowerment, that means 98% of the Christians in America are trying to fulfill what God created them to do in their own ability. And they're falling short. What do you call a human being's body that only 2% of that body is functioning? You call it an invalid. Have you ever wondered why we have spent so much money on the gospel in this nation? but are we really making the impact? It's because we're not walking in the empowerment of grace. All right, let's look at at this again. Romans chapter 12, verse 9. The second word I want to introduce to you is in this scripture as well. Having then gifts, everybody say gifts. Differing according to the grace that is given to us, let us use them, not sit on them, right? All right, now, if you take the Greek word charis and you put an M and an A on it, you get charisma. What is charisma? It is a specific gift of grace that empowers an individual 
to fulfill what they've been created to do. So what would be one of the charismas on my life? Let me use myself as an example. Writing. Okay, now, what most of you do not know in this, in this tent tonight is that my very worst subjects in high school were English, creative writing, and foreign language. I'm not kidding. It used to take me four hours to write a one-page paper. Some of you are probably, you're, you're thinking, no, no, no. Yeah, 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 yeah. Do you know what I scored on the SAT? You know what the SATs are, right? Okay, there's two major categories in the SAT, math and English, right? Do you know what I scored on the English portion of the SAT? 370. Out of 800, yeah, the English teachers just went, wow. Do you know in all my travels, I have only met two human beings? that have scored lower than me in the SAT, and one of them guessed at all the answers because he was mad at his parents for sending them on that Saturday morning. So when God comes to me in prayer, I will never forget this. I think I, we, we were driving that Chevy Impala. was right there. I'm at a construction site. It's about 5.30 in the morning, 1991, and God speaks to me. I'll never forget where I was. And he said, son, I want you to write. I said, okay. You have so many kids on the earth now, you're getting us mixed up with one another. You don't want me to write. Talk to my English teachers. And he didn't say anything. So I took his silence as an agreement to my rebuttal. So 10 months later, 10 months later, two women come to me within two weeks of each other and they said the exact same words. They said, John Bevere, if you don't write what God's given you to write, he's going to give the message to somebody else, and one day you're going to be judged for it. Now, when the second woman said it from the state of Texas, two weeks after the first woman from Florida, the fear of God hit me. And you know what I did? I got a notebook piece of paper because we didn't have iPads, and I tore out a notebook piece of paper, and I got a Sharpie, and I put contract on top of the page. I wrote a contract with God. And I said, God, I think you're making a huge mistake. You have much better writers. I can't write, so I need grace. And I didn't even know grace empowered back then. And I signed the contract. I literally signed the contract, okay? Now today, the books are in the tens of millions. They're in, they're in 129 languages in the world. Do you know Lisa and I are the most published authors in the entire nation of Vietnam? Se listen, secular or Christian. And I can say that about 30 other languages. Lisa and I, we went, to, we, went to, um, we went to Korea. The first time we spoke in Korea, it was a national conference, right, in Seoul. And they said, we want to do a press conference. I'm like, yeah, great. Okay, let's do a press conference. What's there going to be, five reporters there? Or five, 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 you know. And so anyway, five people, yeah. And, uh, and I remember Lisa and I, we walked into the room, and there was 32 reporters, five television stations, and the third largest newspaper in the nation. And, and the first words out of my mouth were, what are you all doing here? And they said, well, your book's been on the top 10 best-selling list on the national charts of Korea every month the last two years. I was like, oh, my gosh. I didn't know that. Right? So what does that mean when I, when I see my name on these books? I know it's on there because I was the first guy to get to read it. It's not my ability. It's his ability. You seeing this? An, an, another, another, another charisma in my life is the ability to, to preach, to speak, right? 
Okay, the first time, Lisa and I have been married 40 years. She's going to get mad at me. I'm coming over here. So the first, the, first time, the first time Lisa heard me preach after we got married, she's on the front row, and five minutes into my message, she fell sound asleep. And, 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 and now listen, listen. No, no, you know, the whole message, her head's going. And her, and her best friend sitting right next to her has drool coming out of the side of her mouth. Seriously, I watched drool come out of her mouth. She was in such deep sleep. And now, now I speak to 5,000 people, 10,000 people. People say, do you, do you get nervous before you speak to 35,000? One, one, one place, I spoke to 35,000. Do you get nervous before you speak to 35,000 people? I go, no, not at all. And they think I'm being arrogant. I'm not being arrogant. They go, why did you get nervous? I said, because I know how bad I am. <laughs> if Grace doesn't show up, we're all in big trouble. <laughs> I put my own wife to sleep, right? So what, one of the charismas that is not on my life is singing. If I would have been up here singing with you guys, everybody would have left. Because when I sing, my family pleads. They say, would you go to a room by yourself and sing alone? It's just not one of the gifts of my life. Amen. All right. You got that? So let's go to the third word. Everybody ready for the third word? Okay. It's this, this is found in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 1. Paul the Apostle says, now this is really important that you get this. I want everybody to listen carefully. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards. Everybody shout, stewards! Okay, so what is a steward? A steward is someone, now listen, who manages what belongs to somebody else. You got it? Now, a steward has full authority to manage what belongs to somebody else. And one of the definitions of a steward is they are not micromanaged. So now, you know, I, I've got a guy that takes care of leases in my 401k. I am not calling him every other day saying, what did you do today? What company did you invest in? What did you do with this? Are you kidding? He has to chase Lisa and I down every year because he's required by law. I don't even want to talk to him. I like him. I like him. He's a nice guy, but I don't want to talk about all that stuff, right? Because I trust him. It, another, another example of a steward would be Joseph. If you look at Joseph in the Bible, he started out as a slave in Potiphar's house, but he ended up, yes. what? Steward of his entire household. And here's the description. Potiphar doesn't even know what's going on in his household except for the food that's at his table because he entrusted full authority of everything he owned. Okay, so now here's the question. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards. What are we stewards of? Charisma. My ability to preach is not my ability. My ability to write is not my ability. You know, Paul said in 1 Corinthians a few verses later, he says, what do you have that you didn't receive? So why do you act as if you didn't receive it? Good preaching. Amen. You ever wonder why Paul said, not many mighty, not many noble, not many wise are called? Why? Because the mighty, the noble, and the wise will depend on their own ability. Paul was one of the few that was smart enough to, to not depend on his ability. You still with me? All right, let me give you a verse of scripture that brings all three together, and then I can bring the message that I have for you tonight, okay? Is that good? All right. 1 Peter 4.10, as each one, everybody say each one. Notice it doesn't say as each pastor. Notice it doesn't say as each fivefold minister. 
As each one has received a gift. What's the Greek word? Charisma. So if you're born again, you have a gift or gifts. What are those gifts or gifts? They are God's ability. They're not your ability. They're God's ability He's placed on your life. That gives you the ability to rise above mainstream ability. As each one has received a gift. Now look at this. Minister it. Not sit on it. Remember Paul said, having gifts differing according to the grace, let us use them. Peter says, as each one has received a gift, minister it. Now, listen, I want to blast a thought that really robs from people. A thought that's not true. Do you know what people think? They think if I'm Christ-like, if I'm godly, the gifts will automatically work in me. No. You will not find a more godly man in the New Testament, other than Jesus, than Timothy. Paul wrote to the entire church of Philippi and said, I have never found a man with more Christ-like character than Timothy. Yet Paul's got to write two letters to him later and say, Timothy, the gift in you, it is inoperative. Engage it. So so listen, if, if just, if just, if just, listen, if just... If just living Christ, I don't like saying just because it's so important to live Christ-like. But if living Christ-like was enough to stir up the gift, then Timothy would have had it engaged to the maximum potential. You have to purposely, you have to minister it. Okay? Minister it to one another. Now look at this. As good stewards, what are we stewards of? Everybody shout it. Charisma. And you put all the charismas together. And what do you get? The manifold grace of God. Manifold means many, 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 many sided, right? So a good way of looking at it is if you look at my body. Everybody look at my body. Okay? People study this thing for eight years and they still don't get it. And there's all different kinds of members. Hi, Brooke and Brett. My friends, Brooke and Brett. So good to see you. Okay, so all my different members are in my body. Are you seeing this? They all have different functions. In other words, what? My thumb can do things my eyes can't do, my eyes can do things my toes can't do, my toes can do things my liver can't do, my liver can do things that my heart can't do, my heart can do things that my kidney can't do. I need to go on? Now listen to me. Happy is the man or woman who knows their gift and operates in it. Okay, now listen, listen, listen. Miserable is the man or woman who tries to operate in somebody else's gift. Wouldn't it be really weird this morning when I woke up and my thumb said, you know what, Mouth? I've had it. You've preached for 35 years. I'm going to talk to the people in the tent tonight. Okay, okay. What's happening right now? I'm frustrating you. And who else is getting frustrated? My thumb. When you try to operate in somebody else's gift, not only do you frustrate everybody around you, you frustrate you. Amen. Now I can bring the message. Good evening. It's nice to be here. Okay, so let's go back to 1 Corinthians 4, and I can finally bring you. And the message I'm going to bring is only going to take 15 minutes. But this, I've set you up for it. You're ready for it. You ready? All right. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards. Everybody say, I'm a steward. steward. What are you a steward of? Can I tell you how important your stewardship is? Do you know what Paul said? Woe is me if I don't operate in the gift that I've been entrusted. Do you know that woe is akin to calling a curse on yourself? Do you know you cannot pronounce a higher form of judgment on yourself? 
And Paul said, woe is me if I don't operate in the gift that I've been made steward of. Why is that? Because if you don't operate in your gift, the people around you that God intended to get the benefit of that gift don't get it. My gift to write is not for me. It's for you. My gift to speak is not for me. It is for you. And I will be judged by my Savior, who is my judge, on how I used and managed what belonged to Him. And every one of you, listen to me, every one of you will be judged by how you used what was in the ability that God entrusted to you. See, let me give you an example. You know, I, I'm amazed by this. The Bible says we're the head and not the tail. Lisa and I have lived in Colorado for 22 years. Never have I seen an elk where the tail was leading the head. Not once. Yet I'm amazed at how we look to the world for inspiration. When we have the greatest creator and the wisest human... If you, look, if, you, if, you look, if you look at Daniel, the Bible says Daniel distinguished himself among the other government leaders of Babylon because he had an extraordinary spirit. Hey, whoa, 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 stop and think about this. Daniel and his three friends come out of this little country, Poda country. They come into the number one nation of the world. You think America's nothing, uh, something? America's nothing compared to Babylon. They were number one in the world in the arts, in science, in education, in military, in economy. We're 16 in the world in education. Okay, so don't even think America. And the king interviews these guys and says, they're four times wiser, four times more innovative, four times more creative than our best leaders in Babylon. Daniel starts coming up with ideas they never thought of. He gets promoted till he's above everybody. And you know what Jesus said? The greatest one ever born of, of a woman up to this day is John the Baptist, which means John is greater than Daniel. Now, don't compare the two because John, listen, John's a, a minister. Daniel's a government leader. Yeah. But, John, but John's greater. John the Baptist is greater. Yeah. And then Jesus says, the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John. Wow. Which means the least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than Daniel. Wow. So the question is, why aren't we distinguishing ourselves? Yeah. See, if, 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 okay, okay, let me help you. Let me, let me, let me, let me put some flesh on this. If you're an ER nurse, you should be coming up with ways of saving lives that's causing the doctors to scratch their head and going, where's she getting these ideas from? We trained for years. Where's she? Hey, hey, whoa, whoa. Where is she getting the ideas from? Charisma. If you're a third grade teacher, you're coming up with wisdom and knowledge, ways to communicate it in such a way that the other teachers and even principal are scratching their heads going, where's she getting this from? Charisma. See, most people try to limit the gifts to operate inside the church. I got news for you, 99% of them work outside the church. I mean, where do you find listed in the scripture Akiana's gift of painting the Prince of Peace that now is worth over a million dollars when she's eight years old? That's a gift. Where, where is the gift of, of, of a person having the ability to remove a tumor? I remove a tumor from your body. You're dead. Let's just schedule the funeral before the operation. It's over. But yet, 
Somebody with that gift, you'll live. Good preaching. Amen. Thank you so much. Okay. All right. Let a man so consider us as servants of Christ and stewards. Everybody shout, I'm a steward. I'm a steward. I, you know, you know I, I, I still can't get released. Listen to Jesus' words. Let your light shine that men may see your good works, that they're wrought in God. Not hear your good scriptures. Not, he, not, not, not experience your kindness. Now, don't get me wrong. Kindness is important. We should be the wisest, most innovative, most creative people on the planet. Okay? All right. So, okay, I'm trying to, I'm trying to get through the scripture. Okay. Let a man so consider us so servants of Christ and stewards. Everybody shout, I'm a steward. I'm a steward. What are you a steward of? You've gotten it. All right. Moreover, watch this. Moreover, it is required in a steward, in stewards, that one be found. Come on, shout it. One requirement, faithful. Now, I've talked to leadership teams all over the world for the last 10 years. I've asked them, what are your one-word definitions for faithful? And I've gotten excellent responses. Can I show you a, co- a compilation of all the answers I've gotten from these leadership teams? I mean, we're talking marketplace teams. We're talking ministry teams. We're talking, I even talked to NFL teams. Okay, watch this, okay? Here's the definitions I've gotten. Steadfast, consistent, dependable, reliable, loyal, true, trustworthy, devoted, and truthful. Now, there's been a few other outliers, but these are the main answers I get. Smart leadership teams. Because if you go to the thesaurus, you'll find out all these words will come up as a one-word definition for faithful, as synonyms, right? In 10 years of asking leadership groups to give definitions of faithful, I have never once heard one of the most important definitions of faithful given by any of those leadership teams. What is that definition? Multiplication. Say multiplication? Multiplication is not a definition of faithful. Oh, yeah, it is. Noah Webster didn't say it was. Well, Noah Webster should have because he was a believer because Jesus said it is a primary definition of faithful. You say Jesus said that? Yeah, Jesus said that. Where? In the parable of the talents. I'm glad you asked. Look at this. Okay. All right. We all know this, but let's go through it. I want you to look at this like you've never seen it before. For the kingdom of heaven, this is Jesus talking, okay? The kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling into a far country who want, now watch this, who called his own servants to him. So now, immediately we understand we are not talking about outsiders. We are talking about people inside the kingdom. These people have been forgiven. So we're not talking about salvation. We are talking about People that are inside the kingdom already, all right? Now watch what he does. He delivers what? His goods to them. In other words, he's saying, I am making you a steward of what is mine. Okay? Now, what does he entrust to them? Some translations call them talents. But what's the actual meaning? Bags of silver. Okay, a talent is a ba- it's a measure of weight, and the weight was used to measure bags of silver. So some of the translations, they were smart, and they said, bags of silver. Now, how many of you know Jesus never is never talking about what he's talking about in a parable? I mean, seed is the word. Wheat is good people. Tares are bad people. Reapers are angels. He's not talking about bags of silver. He's not talking about money. What is he talking about? What are we, what are we stewards of? Charisma. He's talking about charisma. 
So now I'm going to personalize this, make it really fun, okay? So Allison, we're going to say Allison. Is it Allison? I can't remember. Punch the button for me. Okay, yeah, Ashley, Ashley, Ashley. Ashley gets five bags of silver. So let's say it like this. Ashley gets five charismas. Got it? All right, Dave gets two. And if your name's Larry tonight, no identification intended. Larry gets one. Now, two times Jesus emphasizes that this guy goes on a long journey. In other words, he's not micromanaging them. Okay? Then after a long time, the king comes back and says, I want them to come forward and give an account. I want to judge them on how they handled my talents, my charismas. So Ashley and Dave come forward, and they both have multiplied. Ashley has multiplied her five into ten. Dave has multiplied his two into four. Look what the master says to these two. The, 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 the response is exactly the same. So it's two verses of scripture. All right? He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Now stop right there. Don't read anymore. Don't go ahead of me. If that's all he says, I cannot equate faithful to multiplication. But he doesn't stop there. You were faithful. Whoa, whoa, whoa. There is no other, no other behavior, virtue, that is discussed by these two people other than the fact they multiplied. Jesus is directly ascribing multiplication to faithful. And I believe it's on purpose that he didn't tell you any. He didn't say they were steadfast, they were kind, they were patient, they forgave, they were dependable, they showed up in the service on time. He doesn't say any of that. So they multiplied. You were faithful. He thus gives the definition. One of the definitions of the word faithful is multiplication. When you hear faithful, you should hear multiplication in your mind. When you say faithful to me, I think multiplication. When I read the scripture and I see the word faithful, I insert not only steadfast, dependable, all those others. I immediately insert multiply. Okay, you were faithful over a few things. I'll make you rule over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Now, Larry. Larry comes before the master at the judgment. All right, lock down Larry. He wears a mask. He actually wears the eye covering. He is locked down at home. He is... And I, I'm not saying this to anybody that's unsaved. I'm saying this to anybody saved. You fear the disease more than you fear God? There's your problem. I know my wife's getting nervous right now. Okay. Okay, so lock down Larry. Lock down Larry. What happens with lock down Larry? Lock down Larry comes before the master and look at what he says. Lockdown Larry says, then he, Larry, who had received the one talent, came and said, Lord, I, I knew you to be a hard man. Problem number one, he doesn't understand the character of his master. He totally, he, he does not intimately know his master. Okay, now look at this. And I was afraid. Number one reason the gift of God in your life will go dormant is because of fear or intimidation. Number one reason. And I went and hid your talent in the ground. All right, you ready for the master's response to lockdown Larry? 
Okay. But his Lord answered and said, watch this, you wicked and lazy servant. Not outsider. Now, how many of you know Jesus doesn't use words carelessly like we do? Okay, so I got to this and I, I was stumped. I said, Jesus, you just called one of your servants wicked. I need understanding. And I started doing a deep dive. Went to the lexicons. Went, right? All right, let me do the easy one first. What does the word lazy mean? You wicked and lazy servant. Lazy is easy. Shrinking from or hesitating to engage in something worthwhile. We got that. What does the word wicked mean? The word wicked means this. Possessing a serious fault and consequently being worthless in regard to our labor. So what does this mean? It means God views those who multiply as good and faithful. He views those who maintain as wicked and lazy. <laughs> now, 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 whoa, whoa, does this change your paradigm unfaithful? Well, I, you know, I, sh I show up to service on time and I make enough money to be able to feed my family. I'm faithful. Well, I would ask you to filter that through this. I'm not going to speak to it. You speak to it. It is a wow. It gets worse. I'm telling you, it gets worse. <clears throat> Next verse. These are all words. All these words are in red. So take the talent. And all I'm doing is reading. So take the talent from Larry and give it to Ashley who has 10 talents. So, so one day I sit down and I do the math and I go, oh, my gosh. Larry starts out with one and ends up with zero. Ashley starts out with five and ends up with 11. Now, different time period. Months earlier, I'm in prayer. I hadn't read this parable, this parable in months. I'm just in my morning prayer. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me. Now, I want you to listen to this. He said, son, the way I think is actually more capitalistic than socialistic. Now, now stop right there. Don't you dare walk out of here and say, John Bevere said God's a capitalist. I never said that. I never said that. I just read it today while I was on the balcony of the hotel. God said, my thoughts are not your thoughts. So God spoke to me and he said, the way I think actually lines up more with capitalism than socialism. Now, I thought... The way he thought lined up more with socialism before that. And I remember when he said that to me, this was like five years ago. I said, God, I am never saying that publicly, especially in election year. And it was an election year. Unless you give me scripture, I am not saying that. And he said, read the parable of the talents. So I go over and I start reading this. And the Holy Spirit speaks to me. He said, can I show you what the hypothetical socialistic thinking God would have done? I said, sure. What would he have done? He said, I would have given each three. Now, he said, Ashley and Dave would have been faithful. So they would have multiplied to six. Larry would have maintained to three. He said, the hypothetical socialistic thinking God would have taken one from Ashley, one from Dave, and given it to Larry. So they all ended up with five. No, 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 no. Larry ends up 
Larry ends up with zero. Ashley ends up with 11. Listen to me. Listen to me, church. God never said, take care of the lazy. He said, take care of the poor and needy. There's a huge difference. I said, I said, there is a huge difference. There's a huge difference. Yeah, he said something about lazy. He said, don't even feed them. They're not even supposed to eat. Now, I'm not talking about the unbeliever. I'm not talking about the unbeliever. I'm talking about you. You, you tell me you're a believer and you don't work. God said, don't even feed you. Don't come to my soup kitchen. Now, who, who are the poor and the needy? They're the people that there's something going on in their life. They're in a crisis. They're in a situation. We get that. But we're talking about the person that's constantly mooching and not working and talking about his big visions. And his big visions really are amount to nothing. And it's just to manipulate people and get people to do things for him. Good preaching. Amen. You still with me? Okay, hold it. It gets worse. Look at the very next statement. Are you ready for this? This is crazy. For to everyone who has. Now, let's, can we read this in context of the parable? For to everyone who multiplies, more will be given and he or she will have an abundance. But to everyone who maintains, even what they have will be taken away. What was God's first commandment to mankind when he put him on the earth? What was it? Come on. Be fruitful and multiply. He wasn't just saying have babies. He was saying anything I entrust to you, return it back to me multiply. Jesus' parable of the talent is just amplifying that very first commandment out that God gave us. In, in, in May 31st, in May 31st, 2010, Lisa was at Charlotte Scandalines in England doing a women's conference. It was Memorial Day. I just played a round of golf. Good things happen on the golf course. And I come in, and, I, and my boys are out. The house is empty. So I go to the basement, and I just thought, I want to read the book of Daniel. I don't know why I was reading the book of Daniel. I just I read the So I'm reading the book of Daniel, and I'm in the second chapter, and the Spirit of God fills the entire basement. Like one of those incidences where you don't move, you freeze, and you're like, oh, wow. This is like happened maybe I can count on one hand in my life. I wish it was a lot, lot more. But, and I'll never forget what he said. He said, you've been faithful with the English-speaking community. Now, I didn't know faithful meant multiplication. This is, how, this is where this whole message came from. He said, you've been faithful with the English-speaking community. I want you to get your resource in the hands of every pastor in the world that can't afford it. I'm like, okay, okay. Uh, Zachariah said, how in the world will this happen? He went dumb for nine months. I don't want to go dumb for nine months. And I just sat there and shook for a while, and then eventually his presence lifted. And I'm like, every pastor in the world, every pastor in the world, the first year, it was 271,700 books to pastors and leaders in 56 nations in 46 languages. The next year, it went to 1.3 million. Next year, it went to 2.7 million. Next year, to where now, it's between 5 and 8 million physical resources we distribute to pastors and leaders all over the world every year. 
and it's over 48 million. And then, he, and then two and a half years ago, we said, let's develop an app. Because we had leaders that were going and sitting in tents with people in Mongolia that had gotten the Driven by Eternity book. One month earlier, and already 10 people had read it. Because you have a book on your bookshelf, they have nothing. And the businessman who had given significantly to help us do this said, John. The book looked like it was 10 years old. It had writing everywhere on the 10 people that read it. So I'm, I, instead of me being excited, I'm upset because I'm like nine people had to wait while one guy reads. And then what about all the other people in the tent that didn't get to read it? So I stood up and I said, we're going to create an app. And we, we're not going to give them, we're not going to give them a Volkswagen app. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna give, give them a Mercedes app. That's what I said, right? So, so this, this one of the top app developers in the nation, in the world probably, heard about it. The CEO had been reading our books for years, flew up and said, we want this account. He put his best designers on it for a year and a half. And after, after two and a half million dollars, we, came, we didn't come out with a Mercedes app. We came up, they gave us a Lamborghini app. Yeah. Oh, excuse me, a Ferrari app, okay? And that app now is in 116 languages. It turned, it turned a year old this week. Turned a year, listen to this. Whoa, stop, 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 stop. It turned a year old this week. It's already been downloaded in 223 nations of the world in 14,008, over 14,800 cities in the world. I could go on and on and on. Jesus says to him who has, to him who multiplies, more will be given. Yes. Now, some of you are sitting there going, you're putting so much pressure on me. <laughs> then you missed the whole message. The disciples got so frustrated in John 6, they said, Jesus, what do we do to do the works of God? And he goes, believe. Because I could never have done this. Lisa could never have done this in our own ability. It, it took faith. It took the gift. And the gift's not mine. So I can't take any credit for this. Our team can't take any credit for this. There's no way. We won't do it. We refuse. You know what our, you know what our statement is? This is our team statement. We are unprofitable servants. We've only done that which is our duty to do. That's what Jesus said. When you have done all those things that are commanded, say we are unprofitable servants. We've only done that which we've been commanded to do. That's our statement. I have a friend. I'm, I'm going to end it with this. Can I, can I tell you one more story? Okay. So friend named Mike, okay? I called Mike three times, three times to get this story straight. Mike got saved when he was 11 years old. And this is Mike's words. His name's Mike Rogers. And uh, he said, when I was 35, John, I got fed up with being a fruitless Christian. That was his exact words. Wow. 24 years, I'm a fruitless Christian. I got fed up with it. I said, Mike, what did you do? He said, I memorized 2,000 scriptures over the next six months. Smart man, sharpen the axe, you cut down more trees. The wisdom of God is sharpening an axe, right? All right. So he said, while I'm memorizing those 2,000 scriptures, Pastor Tommy Barnett has a conference. And he said, so I decide, I'm going to go to the conference. So he goes to the conference. There's 5,000 people at the conference. And Mike is so broke, he's got to live with 11 master's commissioned students in a two-bedroom apartment. 
brother I, or sister, I love, I love what you're doing. But I have the kind of mind that I can't think anymore once you start playing because my mind will start. And I'm so sorry. It's all my fault. But will you stay there because I need your help. I need your help. Will you stay there? Okay, okay. So, so I'll, I'll look at you. And, okay, please stay there with me. Okay. Give her a hand. I, I, have to be, I have to be careful of jealousy because I look at all these great preachers and the musicians get up there and they preach even better. And I'm like, how do they do that? I'm like, my mind gets all boggled up if I'm hearing music because I start wanting to go, uh, praise the Lord, and then I can't preach anymore. <laughs> okay, all right. So anyway, where was I? Okay, so Mike is so broke. He's so broke. He has to, he has to live with 11 master's commission students in a two-bedroom apartment for the conference. So Pastor Tommy stands up and says, I want everybody to pray about what, you want to, what you're going to give in the conference, right? So Mike said, I went out and found a cactus like Pastor Tommy said to do. And I said, God, what do you want me to give? And the Holy Spirit said, I want you to give $200. And this is what Mike said. He said, Lord, that's every penny to my name. And you know what the Lord's response was? Mike, I'm not asking you for any more. So, so, so he gave every penny to his name. He said, John, I had to bum money, get gas money just to get home. So you see, he gave every penny to his name. He said, now listen. He said, God started giving me ideas. Now, this is the way multiplication always happens. Divine inspired ideas. I have a whole chapter on it in the book, okay? So God started giving him ideas. He started implementing the ideas. He started making money. So the Lord put in his heart. He said, tithe $100 above, excuse me, give $100 above your tithe every month. So he said, I did it. He said, that year went by. And he said, the next year, the Lord said to me, give $400 above your tithe every month. So he said, I did that. The next year, God said, give $1,000 above your tithe every month. The next year, it was $2,000. The next year, it was $2,500. The next year, it was $3,500. The next year, it was $5,000. The next year, listen, it was $10,000. And then he said to me, he said, then it kicked in. I said, bro, it's already kicked in in my book. He said, the next year was $17,000 above his tithe every month. The next year was $25,000. The next year was $35,000. Next year was $40,000. Next year was $50,000. Then it went to $100,000 every month above his tithe. Then it went to $150,000 every month above his tithe. I said to him, I said, Mike, how much do you live on? He said, you know, it's funny you asked me that. He said, my accounts who've done my books for years, they just told me this year how much I've lived on. He said, I live on 10 to 15% of my income. He gives away 85 to 90% of his income. To, and, and this is what else. He gets asked by pastors now all over the country to come and share. So now he's multiplying that way. What's his gift? Giving. But you see, for 24 years of his life, he doesn't have, have enough money to do anything. The gift was dormant. It was inoperative. I, I, I can tell you a story of a lady. She's a close friend of mine, she, she, she would, I mean, she would punch me if I ever revealed her name. But she started out one year. She wanted to help people on Thanksgiving because they didn't have food. They, she saw all the food banks giving food out in Christmas, and this is way, way back when they were. So she, she delivered 11 turkeys to people that were poor and needy in her, in her Camaro. Do you know how many she did last year? Do you know how many? 11,500 turkeys. She fed 46,000 people in two counties. There wasn't one person hungry in, her, in, in two counties. 
she multiplied. I could tell you story. I have story after story after story because God called us to multiply. Amen. Did you get something out of this tonight? You get something out of this tonight? Amen. All right. All right. All right. All right. I love it. I love it. I love it. Okay. So I want every head bowed. I want every head bowed. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. And sis, you can help me now. Really soft. Thanks. Okay. Every head bowed. Every eye closed. Now listen, you can never, ever, you could never, ever listen carefully. The most important words I'm saying all night are coming out of my mouth right now. You can never multiply the way I've shared unless you have an authentic relationship with your creator. Okay, let me, let me make this really clear. There's a lot of people that think, I pray a sinner's prayer, I attend church, I have an authentic relationship. No, you don't. That's not necessarily true. You could, but it's not necessarily true. There is more, way more to it than praying a prayer and going to church. The Apostle Paul made this statement. He said, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. He said, the two become one. He said, this is actually an illustration of the way the church and Jesus are one. So God gave you and I an illustrated sermon that we see every single day. The joining of a man and a woman becoming one. When a woman walks down an aisle of a church with a white dress on, she's making a pretty strong statement. She's saying goodbye to about 3.9 billion guys. She's saying, this is the one and only man I am giving my entire heart and life to. Does it make her a perfect wife the first day, the first week, the first year, the first 50 years? It means she's given her entire heart. She basically has to say goodbye, Jeff. Goodbye, Aaron. But goodbye, Ricky. And she's saying, I'm giving my entire heart to this one man, my entire life to this one man. You can pray a sinner's prayer, but still have other lovers in your heart. The only way you can have an authentic relationship with our Creator is to enter into a marriage covenant with Him. He is called the groom, we are called the bride. He is not coming back for a bride that has not given herself to Him the way he gave himself to her. He did it first. We don't even know what he left. We have no idea. You can't even imagine it yet unless you've been there and, and I don't think you have. He left it to come and be rejected, despised, lied about, spit in his face, punched, have his beard plucked out, to have a crown of thorns jammed into his head, to have lead-tipped whips go across his back, to have nails pounded into his hand and feet and he created us and he did it because of how much he loved you he gave himself a hundred percent he's coming back for a bride that's given herself to him the way he gave himself to her and there's some of you sitting here tonight and i need you to be honest you can fool the person sitting next to you but why in the world do you ever want to fool yourself yeah, you prayed the sinner's prayer. Yeah, you attend church. You even like conference. But you know, you know, you've only given him 85%, 90% of your heart. You know. There are other lovers you haven't said goodbye to. 
want to give you a chance. I want to give you an opportunity to make that decision tonight. If you could see him right now, his arms are stretched wide open. His eyes are hopeful. His look on his face is hopeful. He died for you, but he loves you so much, he'll never force you into a relationship with himself. Never will he do that. But you have to choose. And there's only one way you can enter into that marriage covenant with him. And that is by giving him everything, your entire heart and life. If you're in here tonight and you say, John, truth be told, man, truth be told, I've not given him my entire heart. And I want to do it right now. I want you to raise your hand up really high right now. I want to pray for you tonight. Wow, look at the hands going up. Oh, my goodness. Wow. All right, if your hand's raised, this is what I want you to do. If your hand's in the air right now, stand up. Right where you're sitting, stand up. Just stand up. No bride has ever been ashamed of her groom. He said, if you don't confess me before men, I won't confess you before my father. Now, now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait a minute. There's a lot of people standing. But I, I sense in my heart there's, there's some people making a decision. Okay, listen. Sometimes that, that bride's got to think for a few hours. And she's got to think, do I really want to say goodbye to Aaron? Some of you right now, you, you're sitting there going, I, I don't know if I want to let everything go. And listen, let me tell you something. God will protect your right, and I respect you for being honest. At least the rich young ruler turned and walked away when Jesus said, hey, you got to give me everything. I respect that. What I don't respect is when people stand up and they don't mean it. So God will protect you. If you say, no, 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 no. I want to keep my life for myself. I want to live for myself. I want to spend eternity in a lake of fire away from the presence of God. God will protect you. Protect your right to do that because he wants you to have a free will. He loves you that much. But there's some of you right now and you're counting the cost and you need to. And I'm going to give you a chance. If you say, man, I've counted it, and I really do want an authentic relationship. I want you to stand up right now with the rest of these guys. I want you to just stand up. You don't even need to raise your hand. Just stand up. Yes, sir. You were worth the wait. Thank you. Anybody else? I want to make sure. No. Yes, yes, sir. You were worth the wait. I want to make sure. I want to make sure there's no one else. Anybody else? I want to make sure. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Thank you. See how happy people are? Is there anyone else? Anyone else? I want, to make, I want to make sure. Please, please, please. If right now you're, you're saying inside, I want to stand up, and something inside of you is going, no, 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 I don't want to do it. I want to just tell you what will really happen. You'll walk out of here. The conviction will be gone, and your heart will be harder, and it'll be harder for you here in the next time. Why? Because the Bible says right now, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Your heart will harden. Right now, if he's addressing you, if he's dealing with your heart, it's not to embarrass you. It is because he is saying, I'm wooing you. Yes, sir, you were worth the wait. Thank you for standing up. Yes, sir, thank you. You were worth the wait. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Thank you. Yes, sir. I'm so proud of you, young man. Anybody else? All right, now. Now, listen. Okay, listen. This is what I want you to do. You that are standing, I want you to slip out into the aisle. But before you do, I want you to break up with all those old lovers. Break up with them. And I want you to see yourself like a bride coming before Jesus. It's not me, okay? He's here, not me, okay? And I want you to walk down that aisle like I'm coming to give him my entire life. So break up with the old boyfriends right now, the lovers. And I want you to slip out into the aisle. I want you to come all the way down to the front, all the way down. And I want to pray for you tonight. Come on, give him a hand. Come on, come on, come on. Come here, come here, come here. 
I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Come on, come on. I'm so proud of you. Hey, I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. I am so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Man, I'm so proud of you. Come on, come on, come on. Come on, come on, come on. I'm so proud of you. Did I miss you? I'm so proud of you. 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 I really am. So pr- come on, keep clapping. This is amazing. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you. Okay, come on. Come on to the center. We got room down here. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on. Come on all the way down. Guys, look at me. I'm so proud of you. I'm so proud of you all. Look at you guys. I'm so proud of you. Come on, close. We, we got a lot of people behind you. I promise I don't bite. All right, keep coming, keep coming, keep coming, keep. All right, right there. Yeah, that's good. Okay. All right. All right. Is everybody down? I want to make sure everybody's down. There's still people coming. All right, this is what I want you to do. First of all, can I ask you, why do you have sad looks on your face? This is like the greatest decision you have ever made. Okay? Yeah, you know, if, 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 you, if you could see Jesus right now, let, matter of fact, I'm gonna, I want you to see Jesus. Close your eyes, close your eyes, okay? I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to give you a glimpse, okay? Okay, now. Holy Spirit, I'm asking you right now. As a matter of fact, out of, out of reverence for what's happening, can everybody stand? Because the presence of God is about to come into this place. I want you to close your eyes. And I want you to open up the eyes of your heart because I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to give you a glimpse. And he's going to do it. Now just open the eyes of your heart and I want you to look for Jesus. Now Holy Spirit of God, I'm asking you, I'm asking you, open up their eyes and give them a glimpse. Reveal Jesus to them. presence is here right now. Wow, it's here. Okay, now, I want you to open up the eyes of your heart. If you see his face, which I believe you're going to, do you notice the absolute magnificent smile? I mean, it's not a fake smile. Do you see the joy in that smile? He's elated. He's not hopeful anymore. Do you see that smile? Do you see his eyes dancing with joy? Come on, put up your hands as a sign of surrendering to him. Just just put up your hands. Just say, I'm all yours. Just say it in your heart. Now look, now look, look. Do you see him? Do you see his arms out? Do you see his arms outstretched to you? I can't help. What, what I'm seeing so clear in my spirit right now is the, it's, it's almost a, a laugh of joy. He's so happy that you are now in relationship with him. There's his presence right there. Right there. He's here. Holy Spirit, thank you. Touch every one of them. Keep your hands up. His presence. There's his presence right there. Right
Thank you, Master. Thank you so very much. There's his presence right there. I want everyone in this building to lift your hands up. Oh, he's here. Now, Lord, fill these people. Fill these ones that you love so much. Fill them. There's his presence right there, right there. We haven't even prayed yet. He's already, he's already touching you so deeply. This is so amazing. We haven't even prayed yet. There he is, right there. There's a wave of his presence right there. Now I want you to say this. I want you to speak to him. The one you're looking at in your heart, I want you to say it out loud with your mouth. I want your ears to hear your mouth say this. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me for living life my way. Apart from you, my creator. But that's all changing. On this day, I give you my spirit, soul, and body. Everything I am, everything I have to you. You are my Lord, my King, my husband, my very best friend. I'm yours. Thank you for welcoming me into your household. Thank you for giving me your nature. Thank you for cleansing me from all sin. I'm white. I'm clean. Thank you for healing my body. Now lift your hands up one more time. Let me pray for you. Father, I'm asking you to fill, to fill every single person in this building with an outpouring of your spirit. Lift your hands up and be filled with the spirit of the living God. There's his presence right there. It's beautiful. I want you to say this out loud. Everybody in this building say, Lord God, forgive me for not multiplying. That's changing right now. I am believing you for the grace to multiply the gifts you've placed upon my life. Many will be impacted because of your ability that I steward. And I give you praise. You know, somebody's getting healed right now. Oh, so some, listen, 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 listen. Keep your hands lifted up. Healing presence of the Holy Spirit is in this building right now. It's in this tent. Just lift your hands up and just get your focus on him. Don't look for a feeling, don't look for a don't look for don't look 
don't look for anything else other than the person. Somebody's right knee is being healed right now. Right now, the power of the Spirit of God is healing your right knee. Somebody's shoulder's being healed right now by the power of God. Literally, your shoulder, the fire of God is burning in your shoulder. Somebody's stomach, intestinal, intestinal disease, you're being healed. Fire, fire is burning through your intestines right now and clearing it all up. No more celiac. No more. No more. No more. In Jesus' name, be whole. Somebody's heart is being healed right now by the power of God. Thank you so very much. Somebody's neck's being healed. I don't know what's wrong, but something's really been wrong with your neck. It's being healed. Start moving it around right now. And somebody right now is being healed of absolutely uh, uh, repetitive, terrible headaches. I don't know if they're migraine. I don't, I'm not a doctor, but I'm telling you, you have repetitive, really bad pain in your mind, in your brain. You're being healed right now. There's the power of God right now, right now. Somebody's getting healed in their mouth right now. Somebody in your mouth right now, you're being healed by the power of God. Somebody's right foot's being healed by the power of God right now. Somebody's lower back is being healed. Literally, I'm seeing backs being healed right now by the power of God. I command those backs to be whole in Jesus' mighty name. Lift up your hands. Lift your hands up. And now, Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for what you're doing and what you've already done. Thank you for healing marriages. No. Satan, I command you to turn loose those marriages. Turn loose. You spirits of strife. You spirits of hopelessness. No. You turn those marriages loose right now. In Jesus' name. Now lift up your hands, everybody, one more time. And Holy Spirit, I'm asking, fill Fill, fill, fill your people with the presence of Jesus. I want you to thank Him right now. I want you to just say something to Him. I want you to just say, don't make it religious. Just say, I don't care if you say, you are so cool. Just say it to Him. In Jesus' mighty name. There's the peace of God right there. Now let's give him praise for what he's done. Come on. Come on. Thanks for listening to our podcast. Have a great week.